welcome to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, where we tell the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm your host, Rachel. First, a belated happy 4th of July to all of our American listeners. I hope you got to enjoy some time off, maybe barbecuing or seeing family or watching some fireworks. The 4th happens to be my birthday, so I was definitely celebrating this past weekend. Today's guest is Michael Kelly, the Director of Policy at Bike Walk KC, which is an organization based in Kansas City, Missouri. Their mission is to, quote, redefine our streets as places for people to build a culture of active living. And that phrase might stand out to you from our episode a little while ago with John Zimmerman of Active Towns. So Michael sees biking and walking as tools that enable people to get where they need to go in a safe, affordable, independent manner. These active transportation options can improve economic resilience, health, and a sense of community in any town, and Michael is working towards that in Kansas City. He brings his background addressing housing issues, helping businesses thrive, and supporting the arts into the interdisciplinary role of creating a more bike and walk-friendly city. Before we get into the episode, a quick reminder that if transportation issues matter to you, you definitely want to pre-order Chuck Marone's forthcoming book, Confessions of a Recovering Engineer, Transportation for a Strong Town. Transportation in America is getting worse and costing more. We have to do better, and this book shows you how. We've got a bunch of special offers for those that pre-order, including class discounts, an exclusive online Q&A event, and immediate access to chapter one of the book before it comes out on September 8th. Please visit confessions.engineer to pre-order your copy today. All right, let's get to my conversation with Michael Kelly. Michael Kelly, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It's great to talk with you. Uh, Thank you for having me. So can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what first drew you to bike and walk advocacy work? My background is actually in uh, political science. Um, I had uh, gotten my bachelor's in political science and international studies at K-State and I got a master's in public administration from UMKC. The way I got into bike walk advocacy was completely by chance. I um, had an opportunity to travel to Vancouver, British Columbia with my wife, and we spent a week up there and we only used a car once. Everywhere else we went, we either walked or we took a bus or we took the subway. We actually didn't ride bikes at all when we were up there. And so I, I get back and I step out on a porch to uh, go to work and I look around and I just get to thinking, man, it would be really nice if Kansas City could be a little bit more like Vancouver. And so a little bit after that, I saw the job posting for BikeWalk KC. I applied to be a policy coordinator and here I am. Very cool. Yeah, I was interested to see, you know, reading your bio that you've worked for a Chamber of Commerce, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, and that I think you're you're maybe currently on the board of an arts nonprofit. So yes. it seems like you've had a very interdisciplinary life, which is fantastic. Do you see those different pieces, you know, business, housing, arts, transportation? How do you see these as important pieces of building a a stronger, more economically resilient place? Well, I think 
at its most basic level, it's it's about creating access. So housing and transportation are the two biggest parts of household expenses for most people. And when we don't invest adequately in either, that creates a serious burden for them that can keep them from being able to fully participate. So from from my perspective, affordable housing is important because it means that you have a place to stay. But transportation is also important because it creates a, a place to go. So as far as as far as when we're thinking about how it fits in with the broader economy, as we're emerging from this pandemic, we we hear these stories of people who are or employers who are struggling to find employees. And I think that childcare is certainly important, digital divide is important, benefits are important, but we're also needing to think more about how are we doing the most we can to effectively transport those workers to and from their places of work. Yeah. So you you started to talk about this a little bit, but can you um, paint a picture for listeners uh, who haven't been to Kansas City before? You know, what is the community like? And also, how is it to be a person on foot or on bike in Kansas City? Is it fairly easy to get around or fairly challenging? So Kansas City, I would say, is a place of opportunity. I think that there are a lot of things that Kansas City offers that is is kind of hard to find in other parts of the country. We love to talk a lot about how it feels like a small town uh, in a big city setting because everyone knows everyone. And if you go to an event, you're likely to run into three or four people. I don't necessarily think that at the moment that hospitality extends to active transportation. So to be a pedestrian or a cyclist in Kansas City is a challenge. In Kansas City, Missouri specifically, we um, have a pretty outdated walkability plan. And while we have adopted a complete streets ordinance and a Vision Zero resolution recently, uh, the city still has not um, formally adopted its uh, proposed bike plan. There are certainly places where it has gotten better to be a pedestrian or a cyclist, but there is so much more that I think Kansas City needs to do to really be on the same echelon as uh, some of the cities it loves to compare itself to. Mm, I see. And in terms of like improving access for for biking and walking, for you, you know, is it about more protected bike lanes or just slower streets generally, or like better sidewalks? What are the the most needed components in Kansas City? Sure. So from a walking perspective first, I think that we we need to do more to prioritize the development of, of those spaces. There are entire neighborhoods and sections of Kansas City where uh, people don't have sidewalks. And it's not that, you know, maybe there's just a curb or something. It's there's a ditch. And and that is that is the space where a lot of times people have to walk because you're walking in a street where cars are going 30, 40 miles an hour. From a biking perspective, we really do need to do more to build a network of connected and protected uh, cycling facilities. So the city recently completed its first uh, two-way cycle track on our Gillum uh, Road, and it's been pretty well received. 
Um, we're hoping that it can be a catalyst for more projects throughout the city. But the other part of that is we want to see it connected to existing trails and other biking facilities um, in the region and, and potentially be used to specifically expand into the parts of the city where we know people need to bike more because that's a cheaper form of transportation, but they don't have the corresponding infrastructure to support that mode. Yeah. On that note, how do you ensure that the work that you do is really listening and paying attention to what people in your community need um, and really like shaping transportation options that are going to benefit everyone? Well, we do as much as we can to um, try to partner with and amplify the voices of those marginalized communities that are often left out of the conversation. So we have several partnerships with area um, houseless organizations. So uh, Bike Walk KC also runs the area's bike share program. And through that, we have been able to create um, what we call our Bike Share for All program, where we're able to offer subsidized memberships for people um, to be able to participate in, in the Bike Share program. And the reason why that's important as an example is because people don't always associate biking with a form of affordable transportation, even though for people who are experiencing houselessness, that is that is very much why they use a bike. And so being able to kind of show those experiences and demonstrate to folks that these are the voices that need to be considered when we're talking about um, streetscape improvements or policies like decriminalizing walking and biking, this is who is going to be directly impacted by those choices. So kind of combating the narrative that biking is like a guy in spandex who's just mm -hmm. trying to get exercise versus yep, yep. understanding that that's an affordable <laughs> transportation option for, for lots of different folks. Okay. Right, right. What are some of the projects or issues that you are working on right now at Bike Walk KC that you're excited about? So like I said earlier, the city adopted a Vision Zero resolution in 2020. And, and for listeners who may not be familiar, Vision Zero was this idea that traffic violence is a public health crisis. And we need to take a systemic look at our transportation system to find the ways that we can make it safer for everyone. So we've been working with the uh, Vision Zero task force that was created as a result of that resolution. And the hope within the next year or so, is that we'll be able to finalize the full action plan to guide our efforts to reaching our goal of ending traffic fatalities by the year 2030. It's an ambitious goal, but um, when it comes to lives being lost or forever changed, um, we can't afford to sit and wait for something to, to get better. The other thing that I, I think is important to highlight is that we are trying to kind of build on the momentum that was created when we successfully advocated for decriminalizing walking and biking. Kansas City has now removed from its municipal code the violations of jaywalking, bike inspections for disrepair, and dirty wheels. And so we're hoping to potentially use that as a means of not only looking at how we treat traffic enforcement in Kansas City, but more broadly, are there other communities where we can successfully advocate for a similar change? 
I mean, I've heard of the jaywalking tickets, like that is a, a ridiculous thing that's present in so many cities. But the what were the the bike stuff like dirty wheels? You can get a ticket for that. <laughs> yeah. So Kansas City had in its yeah, it's crazy. So Kansas City had in its municipal code, in addition to jaywalking, there was a, a rule that said that any police officer could pull you over if they believed that your bike was in a state of disrepair. And there was also a rule that said you can't have dirty wheels. So you you cannot operate a vehicle, so drive a car or ride a bike that deposits like soil or foreign substances or something like that onto city streets. So the the bike inspections were struck entirely. The dirty wheels was modified to basically exempt any car or truck that is less than 12,000 pounds. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, congrats on getting those those changes made. Thank you. Who do you partner with on addressing these things? Um, you talked about organizations for unhoused people. Are there other local groups, neighborhood groups that uh, you work with at Bike Walk, Casey? Yes, yes. We, we're only able to do the things that we've been able to do because of our partnerships. And so it, we have a very diverse cross-section of the community that we work with. This includes um, neighborhood groups like Marlboro and, and Ivanhoe. Uh, we have national uh, partners with local chapters like the uh, American Heart Association and AARP. We also work with food access groups like um, Casey Healthy Kids. We work with legal groups like the Midwest Innocence Project. So just about any sector of, of issues in the city, we probably have partners there who we have worked with on an issue at one point or another. That's awesome. What has been involved with your work over the last year um, regarding the pandemic? I know that there was a big surge in people wanting opportunities to get outside and open streets. And then now we're sort of in this transition period. Um, how has the pandemic affected uh, Bike Walk KC and your advocacy? Sure. So there were really two kind of main planks that kind of encompassed our work during the pandemic and really kind of afterwards as well. So first, there was that push to kind of expand open spaces, at least temporarily. So the city ended up adopting kind of the suite of packages that included automatic pedestrian signals, expanding the neighborhood street closure permits to specifically encompass open street efforts. Um, And there was also an effort to close portions of some of the larger parks for pedestrian exclusive spaces. Um, All of them had varying degrees of of success and, and shortcomings. But I think that given the circumstances of trying to do something quick and in the middle of a pandemic, I think it was a good start and something that we can build off of. The other thing that was really interesting to see was that there was a lot of of usage on trails, and and that was with bike share a lot as well. We had um, incredibly high usage, and that usage has not really died down here in Kansas City. I was just talking with our bike share director, and we had a really rainy last couple of days, and we're still averaging a pretty pretty significant for us amount of riders every day. And so that is telling us, um, you know, people are still interested in doing this, but also where they're riding. So places like 
our trolley track trail tells us that people want to ride more, but they also want more safe places to do so. And, and we really need to do more to expand those opportunities for people throughout Kansas City. What's your vision for a better Kansas City? Like what would what would a Kansas City that is really welcoming and friendly to people on foot or biking, what would that look like, you know, in hopefully, you know, five, 10, 20 years when that vision comes to fruition? Like what would that look like to you? So I think it it would be centered and grounded in equity. We would have a walking and biking infrastructure system that is truly accessible no matter what part of the city you live in. On the east side of Kansas City, for example, where we have a large concentration of black and brown neighborhoods and um, lower income earners, that there is no longer as much of a disparity in walking and biking infrastructure as there is um, currently. But also that we are specifically working to move away from the forms of enforcement and approaches to traffic that have been harmful to those communities and other vulnerable road users in the past. So, so I really do envision something that is making a clear paradigm shift towards emphasizing the needs of vulnerable road users, making it accessible for everyone, and ensuring that it truly ties in with the broader issues we face, whether that be economic development, uh, better health outcomes, or creating a cleaner, sustainable Kansas City. Yeah, certainly when we like address these challenges, so many other good results happen. You know, economic health, as you said, so many things that benefit everyone when we can have biking and walking access for everyone in our communities. So what is uh, biking and walking look like in your neighborhood? Um, are you able to get around on, on bike or on foot pretty easily? It's still kind of a challenge where I live. Um, there aren't sidewalks on my streets and there are some limited facilities, but there's nothing really protected. So it's unfortunate because I, I really want to be able to share it with my wife and uh, my daughters, but I know that they don't feel quite as safe walking or biking uh, because of the lack of facilities. So to close this out here, um, what advice would you offer for others who are hoping to make their towns more bike and walk friendly places, um, whether they are you know, just regular citizen advocates or um, people who are in government? Um, what steps can we take? What advice would you offer to those folks? So I would really offer kind of two pieces of advice, just general. The first is to uh, do your research. Um, a lot of times people don't necessarily know where things should go, whether it be in terms of existing plans or what options are there. So understanding what is available can help to establish you as an expert and give you a level of credence in those conversations with folks who might be skeptical. The other thing I would offer is really reiterating an earlier point, which is that advocacy is a team sport. The only way that that we've been able to do anything that we've been able to do is because we, we have good partners that we're able to rely upon, whether it be for a letter of support or in terms of coming out to speak in favor of proposed legislation. So as much as you can, 
do what you can to be a good partner, listen, support where you can, and make your ask on your own things as simple as possible. Yeah, well said. Well, Michael Kelly, thank you for um, joining me for this conversation. Really appreciate having the chance to talk with you about these issues. Thank you so much, Rachel. Cool. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. As a reminder, you can always get in touch with me, share your stories of what you're doing in your community, or share feedback on this show by emailing me or sending a voicemail to rachel at strongtowns.org. Also a special invitation. Um, I don't know if you all are listeners of one of our other Strong Towns podcasts, which is just called the Strong Towns Podcasts the original um, hosted by Strong Towns President Chuck Marone. But on that show, in a couple of weeks, he's going to be doing an episode where he answers listener-submitted questions, and that is open to anyone to submit. We're taking questions right now on our Action Lab, which is our hub for resources and case studies and asking and answering questions. So you can head to actionlab.strongtowns.org. Once you're there, go to the community discussion section and you'll see a place for questions for Strong Towns. Get your question in in the next uh, week or so, and then Chuck's going to pull the best ones and answer them on the Strong Towns podcast. All right, don't forget to pre-order the new Confessions of a Recovering Engineer book. Head to confessions.engineer for a lot of different pre-order options. And finally, of course, this podcast and everything we do at Strong Towns is supported by members who care about advancing this movement, who care about seeing Strong Towns happen across the country. So if that's you, join as a member today by visiting strongtowns.org membership. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you back here next week for the next episode.